Welcome, everyone, to the Jewish Boston Podcast. I'm Dan Salixson from Israel 360. We are co-hosting now our second podcast with Jewish Boston and Israel 360. And today we are talking about the answers to a question that actually we don't believe anyone is asking. And that is, is The Last Jedi in any way a Jewish film? Does it have Jewish messages? Is there something in there about Israel? Can we stretch this beyond logic and somehow connect this movie that most of us love to something that most all of us here care about, which is Jewish faith, thought, learning, etc. Let's get to the podcast. So I'd like to welcome Jesse and Miriam to this very special podcast in which we attempt to shoehorn in Jewish and Israeli concepts into a movie that by now everyone on the planet has already seen, The Last Jedi. Jesse, you and Miriam are here because you guys are actually noted national experts on Star Wars and sci-fi issues. So let me just begin by asking each one of you uh, your overall thoughts on the movie in 15 seconds or less. Miriam. I adored it. I loved it. It didn't even give me a migraine like The Force Awakens did. I can't wait to see it again. That's pretty good, Jesse. That's good. That was, that was short and brief. Well, I'm, I'm excited to be on this podcast for one. Thank you. As someone who has a master's degree in shoehorning Ju- Judaism into all sorts of culture, I can tell you I enjoyed The Last Jedi immensely. It was something the Star Wars story needed to get away from the fact that they were just rehashing old stories. So I'm very excited to see where they go next and enjoyed watching this movie immensely, mostly for the Porgs. Oh. We, are, we, are, we are all pro-Porgs. So is shoehorning a, um, is that a program that you could take at Brandeis? Do they have a yes, school yes, for that? Uh, it was a Near Eastern and Judaic shoehorning. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. PhD level. All right, great. So uh, this is a seminar level class on that, and we're going to talk about... Uh, some of the Jewish imagery that we've seen in the movie. And I actually uh, did some, I did some Googling before we got on the show. And I saw that there were a lot of articles from Christian bloggers saying that there was a tremendous amount of Christian imagery in the movie. So let's take back, let's take our stuff. What's the Jewish stuff? When we talked about this before we got on, Miriam had a couple of concepts that she wanted to talk about. And in particular, uh, I'm going to pronounce this incorrectly. Yetzer Tov, Yetzer Hara. So in Judaism, there's a concept of a balance between the Yetzer Tov and the Yetzer Hara. That's the good influence and the evil influence inside each one of us. And the good one advises us to do positive things and pulls us upward in life and to follow the light side of the force. And the Yetzir Hara challenges the Yetzir Tov and tries to pull the individual to the dark side of the force towards things like ambition and being super aggressive, which are things that Kylo Ren uh, exemplifies. And it's also compared to being childish. The Yetzir Hara is considered a childish quality. And I think we see this kind of uh, throughout uh, Force Awakens and Last Jedi because of Kylo's uh, temper tantrums that he throws pretty, pretty amazingly. It's the, they're pretty classic, like, you know, eight-year-old 
anger tantrums. It's pretty amazing. They are pretty iconic. And it's clear that all his coworkers um, know about it and yeah. avoid him when possible during these times. Is, is there uh, some sort of precedent in Jewish text for a uh, leader who has tantrums? A leader who has tantrums? Like, was the Did, pharaoh prone to tantrums? Is Haman prone to tantrums? Yeah. I mean, this is... This we're is not a, looking the, at them as, like, a, a positive... They're not a leader. I mean, they're, look, they're our nemesi. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure Moses had a multitude of tantrums. That's true. I mean, when you think about... There's that famous story of him striking the rock, yeah. and God gets mad at him. And while we're saying it, we should just say that um, God is also plenty angry. Yeah, in the Torah. <laughs> so if we're going to the source, yeah, we all have a lot of anger issues, even God. So I want to talk about, um, I want to talk about Jedis because, uh, mm. obviously this is about the last Jedi and mm. can we make any comparisons between Jedis and rabbis, the sort of learning that they go through that they like books a lot. Uh, apparently mm. they have themselves a little bit of a library and a tree, yeah. The famous ones, they seem to quote them a lot. Uh, is there something to this or am I, am I doing this thing again where I try to shoehorn in some Jewish concepts into a movie that maybe had some or not? I mean, the, the, the Jedi as learner, as learner teacher, as space monks, right? They, they take from parts of all sort of monotheistic religions where there are a sect of people who do more than other people. Also beards. Jedi's like beards, mm. rabbis mm -hmm. like beards. Did Samuel L. Jackson have a beard? Or are we not going to talk not. about it? You know, he doesn't they, have to. They don't count. Yeah. Count. Yeah. Let's not, let's not bring the prequels into this. Because yeah, the that prequels was ugly. Had, I'm sorry. Yeah. That was ugly. <laughs> the, the prequels have plenty of uh, Judaism we could shoehorn in, but none of the good kind. Ugh. The bad kind of Judaism. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a whole different yeah. topic. No, not the bad kind of Judaism, but bad stereotypes about Jews. A better way of phrasing yeah. it. So, uh, you know, there, there was a scene where um, where Yoda appears to. By the way, there are spoilers throughout this. So, if you haven't seen the movie, turn it off now. Really, we're just we're just going to talk about the ending. We're going to talk about everything yeah. that happened in the middle. We're going to talk about how Ray is Luke's daughter. Everything that that you know, was in the movie, <laughs> we're going to discuss. Um, so, Yoda appears to burn down the tree to say these books aren't shit. What's important is you or something learning teaching mm. and, and carrying on this tradition but but books are nothing as it turns out that was also false what do you guys make of that whole sequence i have i have several thoughts on this whole thing but firstly i'll say uh i was surprised watching the film because i only have like five books and that's like so basic level, honestly, like we've got the five books of the Torah and the Gemara and, you know, we've got the, the Midrash and the Mishnah and the, and the Talmud and, and the Zohar and like just so many, so many books. And those are just like five Jedi books. I was a little puzzled by their lack of library. Well, the, their major library got destroyed. When, uh, you know, the Jedi Order was... Okay, that's true. The yeah. unspeakable movie at some yes, point. But were these movies. like the main, the main ones? Here's the you thing. You know, like these are the ones that are sort of enshrined. Yeah, what could those books possibly say that people already didn't know at that point? Like, I 100% I agreed with Yoda. If you want to shoehorn some Judaism, <laughs> I was saying Yoda was like modernization and Luke was like mm. old-timey European Orthodox Jews, right? And he's like, we mm. don't just need these books. We need to live... Maybe out in the world. 
It's you know it's right. It's funny that the Which, Jedi they they talk a lot but say very little or they repeat themselves very frequently. Um, mm-hmm. Almost like they have a couple of key mantras that they that they use. Whereas um, the great rabbis and Miriam, you're the official mm-hmm. Jewish scholar uh, yeah. on the podcast. They seem to spend most of their days arguing with each other about the finer points of Jewish law and seem to really revel in that. Jedi seem to be a little bit more um, disciplined, not, uh, not disciplined, but um, such right. true believers that there's nothing to question. The force is there. We're cool with it. There's a good side. There's mm-hmm. balance. There's a bad side. There's evil. Uh, we don't really need mm-hmm. to talk about it. Let's just put on some robes and grow some beards. Right. Well, I would make two points to that. I would actually say back to what Jesse, what you were saying before about it being like leaving the old way behind is what Yoda was was telling him. Is I actually thought about it in terms of when the Jews were um, kicked out of Judea back in the day, you know, before the diaspora of the Jewish people, and they had to reconstitute themselves entirely and make the religion mobile. Right. So instead of being a people that is 90 percent of it, the cohesiveness of the people is about the tied to a specific land, be it a island where the Jedi are or uh, Judea. They're like, look, we can't stick with that anymore. We have to spread out across the galaxy, across the world. This is our diaspora. And we have to find a way of moving beyond and taking it with us. So that's that's what I had first thought of when I saw that bit. And also it harks back to what Kylo had actually said to Rey about leaving the past behind and moving on. So in a kind of interesting way, uh, Yoda's thoughts were juxtaposed with what Kylo was telling Rey anyway. But I actually had a question, and I posed this to Dan earlier. Rey ends up with the books at the end of the film uh, on the Falcon. Can Rey read? That is a question that I was wondering. We all know she's self-taught and fairly everything, so I wouldn't put it beyond her. But we don't really see a lot of reading in the series, and she kind of raised herself in isolation in a desert. I think she had to learn how to read to get the parts out of the ships that were worth the most. She had to be able to read, you know, the technical information. At least mm-hmm. that's my assumption, is that she learned to read by looking at mm-hmm. what I think is galactic basic which would be the language they would use on right. the ships in uh, that that crashed on Jeddah, not Jeddah, um, on uh, whatever her stupid plan was called. Jakku. Jakku, yeah. Only J names in the new Star Wars movie. Right. Only so. only J names is how we also know it's a Jewish connection. Yeah, but that's also true. She speaks droid, so we know she's gifted and smart. I don't put a pastor that she could have homeschooled herself and, into into reading. And do we know how old she was when her parents sold her for beer money? Don't they say like seven or something? Or was I, did I just um Yes. Yeah, so so up? maybe um, she had some basic learning mm-hmm. from her beer swigging parents um, at some right. point before they sold her or sold her or abandoned right. her. I, I wasn't, was it sold or abandoned? Uh, sold, I believe. Oh, I believe she was yeah. sold to pay off debts. Here's the thing. Here's an interesting Star Wars in general question. How many of these characters can read? Like we don't mm-hmm. like, can Finn read? Can can Chewie, can Chewie read? So yeah, there, anyway. there's not a lot of. We don't really see a lot of reading. Yeah. No, there's no book learning. They played chess once. That seemed to be the only intellectual That's pursuit right. I've seen in the entire film. And the Jedi just kind of sit there and um, uh, lift stuff up yeah. with their brains, which I mean, doesn't we, count. We don't want to talk about what happened in the prequels, where when Obi Wan wants to get some information, he goes to the quote unquote library, but just looks at holograms. 
So that's not really reading either. No, that's, no that's still watching TV. Yep. Wow. I, I don't know. I, I just, I feel like the, the prequels keep coming up and that we have to find a way to avoid that. So I'd like to move on to another yeah. issue so All that right. the prequels okay. won't come up again. Um, Let's do it. Can, can, can we that, talk about sand? Can we talk about sand and how Let's it cools it. and how it gets in everything? All right. I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating and it gets everywhere. We can we can talk about that, and I can talk about <laughs> I can talk about how Luke, in his isolation, um, made me think of uh, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, who lived in a cave surrounded by sand for years, and he was also kind of grouchy. But he was the author or re- reported author of the Zohar, which is the book of Jewish mysticism, um, and it made me think. Okay, Luke's isolated himself he can't he doesn't want to deal with what he's frankly caused um and he's going off and he's going to isolate himself and devote himself to this learning and um at the end of i think the story goes seven years shimon bar yachai had to leave like basically god told him to get out and at the end of i don't know how long luke's been on that island but he also had to he actually didn't leave but mm, project himself off the island Spoiler I guess, alert! Force spoiler project. alert! Everyone, we already we already have right, established, we established that spoiler film. <laughs> so you know the the Luke isolation thing was something that some of the Christian bloggers talked about because obviously Jesus right. spent some time in isolation. There's something about a bearded guy in a robe spending some time apart from other people that right. somehow purifies them or something. Am I? I don't know my Christian theology well, very well. In Judaism, there's this concept of something called hit bodedut, and it's an individualized kind of prayer where you go off by yourself in nature and you just uh, clear your mind. That's pretty much the goal and is just to isolate yourself and focus on your relationship uh, with the divine in nature. I think that's a fairly Jewish thing to do too, even though sort of people have an idea of all Jewish prayer or all Jewish like religious practices in a community, but that's not necessarily true, especially because Luke in his way is seemingly doing teshuva. He is, uh, teshuva is a term that means return or sometimes it's mistranslated as repentance. So he's got some things in his past that are haunting him and he's working on namely the fact that he clearly tried to kill Kylo uh, back in the day. Um, which I think he can be firmly blamed for. So this is the path of of all, you know, this is the path of Jedi retirement. You go off, right. you find some wilderness right. area, you go off by your own, you have sort of an an uneasy relationship with the locals at times, such as the sand people. Uh, but generally you keep to yourself until someone comes and bothers you for wisdom and knowledge and you get all cranky and eventually you help them. That seems about right. Although in this film, he has such an amazing relationship with those angry fish ladies who were taking care of the Jedi temples and stuff. I don't know what their deal is, but I like them. Yeah, they're they're their own movie at some point. I mean... Yeah, I am fascinated. The kid with the broom and the fish ladies. Yes. Um, Jesse, I'm sorry. We kind of cut you off. I think you were about to say something possibly about Obi-Wan Kenobi, Yoda, and Luke. Well, what I was going to say was... The fact that he only teaches her two out of the three lessons he promised, I thought was kind of funny. Um, the point being, I mean, again, I think it was just a plot 
script issue. But if you think about it philosophically, the third lesson is that you have to keep learning, right? As as Yoda mm. points out at the end, like the hardest part about being a master is that your pupils are going to grow beyond you and you have to accept that. So by never teaching her that third lesson, like she gets to continue to teach herself new lessons. She really had a crash course. She really went from yeah. zero to knowing how to use a lightsaber to, uh, you know, learning pretty much the ways of the force in an afternoon. Might have oh, even okay. been just a All morning. Right. I, okay, I, I need to talk about this because this is important. So there is a there's a there's a okay. criticism on the internet about Ray that she is a, a quote unquote Mary Sue, right? A character that's able to do everything. Yes. What those people don't understand because they have not gone into the weeds of the star wars universe like i have is that while the force is infinite there is a response to the amount of people who are wielding it at one time in the universe so the less force wielders there are oh. the stronger those force wielders can be meaning that since there since the jedi order is done luke has cut himself off from the force there's only one person you know technically in the universe, Ray using the light side of the force, meaning that she'll be able to do more things easier than say a prequel character. Not to bring up the prequels again. Are you telling me it has nothing to do with midichlorians? It has nothing to do with midichlorians. <laughs> I knew that word was going to come Stupid up eventually. And in minute 15, midichlorians came up. Thank you for that. So dumb. Thank you for that. Uh, You're welcome. Um, so I, I, I want to somehow try our efforts to make this into um, a Jewish podcast, I think have been successful. Now I'd like to move to Israel for a second. And I'd like to talk about the ragtag group of rebels. Mm. Oh, the Maccabees. Thank you. Thank you. Talk to me about the parallels between the (laughs) ragtag group of rebels, which are extremely small and probably should not have survived as long as they did. Um, Mm. Mm -hmm. You're seeing something here. Work with me. Work with me. Yeah. Well, I mean... We've established the sand. Mm. We've established the beards. Um, I think the thing about the Maccabees, for people who may not know the Hanukkah story that well, is that the Maccabees were uh, priests, actually. They were a a family of Jewish priests, uh, sort of the Jedis of that situation. And they actually had to become warrior priests in order to fight off the Syrian Greek uh, invaders of Judea at the time. So they did spend a heck of a lot of time in caves, mainly hiding out, but also learning. Um, They did have a small, very small uh, rebel force that was vastly outnumbered. Um, And they had very, very confident enemies who were convinced that because of their just overwhelming military might, they they were going to win no matter what. And that didn't uh, happen. (laughs) The the Maccabees won, uh, reclaimed Judea, reclaimed Jerusalem, and of course, the irony is that 80 so years later, they were then invaded again by the Roman Empire. And that's how we all got uh, kicked out of Judea. So it's kind of weird because in one sense, you get the the middle uh, three films where at the end you think, oh, it's great. The empire's gone. Everything's fine. Right. And you think, oh, the Maccabees, it's great. We kicked out the Syrian Greeks. Everything's fine. And then it turns out that the sequel is not so hot. It doesn't actually pan out the way you think, where one victory is enough to defeat the enemy. So I keep thinking about the, um, I can't remember the name. I'm terrible at the character names, but the arms trader, Nate, what was his name? Benicio del Stutter Yeah. 
Oh yeah. yes. So the way in which the way in which I think his name was DC, which is not a real name, is but it? I swear to God, I read that somewhere. So he he basically tells them, you know, I I sure I sold these guys this, and I sold you guys X wings, and you know, you don't take a side. And it kind of reminds me of the U.S. and other countries in 1948, mm-hmm. which were frankly helping both sides to bulk up to make a buck. You know, it was sort of right. There's a real pillar there in that. Nobody really takes sides except for the two, you know, the two polar opposites. And everyone else is like, oh, why are you guys fighting all the time? Who cares? What's the big deal? I thought that was a fascinating parallel. If no one else is feeling it, I'm okay with that too. I was just happy that they brought in class warfare into Star Wars, which is not a topic they normally touch. Yes. And yes. Uh, that delighted me. So as a as a Star Trek fan, which is, you know, really, if you think about it, all about class warfare. Yeah. Um, like... Star Wars always try to avoid any sort of relation to what is happening in the current world as far as sides. But that casino, you know, that casino planet was it was pretty clear who those people were. By the way, by the way, the amount of Jewish stereotypes in that casino was also troubling. But whatever. I I might just see it in everything. I don't know. Wait. okay. so I've honestly only seen the film once and I don't know if I spotted any overt Jewish stereotypes, but maybe I wasn't looking I didn't for spot them. it either. Tell us, Jesse. Well, okay, what, so okay, so it? there are human characters, white human characters, who are all very tall, skinny, beautiful looking, and then all of the alien characters seem to be short, with like longish noses, uh, roundish faces. What are you? I'm insinuating it. They were all Jews, <laughs> just like the Harry Potter goblins. <laughs> with the tall, good-looking yeah. people. <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't, you know, this is so interesting because uh, you and I, Jesse, have had many conversations about, okay, I'm going to bring up Star Trek, but um, certain uh, alien races in Star Trek with large noses and or ears. And does that mean that these are Jewish stereotypes? I am speaking of the Ferengi, but I guess let's not cross uh, contaminate this, but they were traitors, is right? It inherently, is it inherently a Jewish stereotype to have, I guess it is, you know? Yeah. yeah the, the, uh, Maybe it is. I'm, I'm going to vote. Yes. Yeah. Jesse. Yeah. Okay, fine. I, 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 seen the, <laughs> I, was feeling I saw forgiving. the movie last night with my dad <laughs> and during that casino scene, I'm like, wow, there's a lot more Jewish stereotypes in here than I thought. So, and yeah. I'm not overly sensitive Which, to it, but okay. I was like, Hmm, like the guy who's feeding um, I, BB eight, the coins. I'm like, he could look a little less like a medieval painting of a Jew. I just thought he was drunk. Well, he ended up being a hero, oh, though. That's true. You know, right. ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, those coins were used for good and not for evil. That's a good point. Mm. Good point. So we need to have a... They were they were gelt. They yeah, were made of go. chocolate. <laughs> All right. We need to wrap up pretty soon because um, we're running out of time here. I want to give you guys a lightning round and kind of talk about which okay. character parallels which person in Jewish history? Uh, Luke. Who is Luke? I already said Shimon Bar Yochai. Jesse, your turn. Uh, I'm going to have to agree with Miriam on this one since I can't come up with another name. Describe. Oh, no, he's the guy who lived in a cave and wrote the Zohar. Zohar guy. Okay. Okay, Leia. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me. Tell me. Miriam Miriam the prophetess, not because it's my name, just because she had a famous brother who took all of like the sparkle and he was the famous one, but she really held shit together. Also, her name means rebel. So there you go. I would say I would I would say Leia reminds me most of Golda Meir. Right. She's like a a badass (laughs) leader woman. 
Mm. I like it. I like it. Okay, Admiral Holdo. Mm. Hannah Senesh. I can tell you who Hannah Senesh was. Can you tell us who <laughs> Hannah Senesh was? Yes, I would love to. So Hannah Senesh was a young Jewish woman during the Holocaust who volunteered to parachute into Europe to make contact with the resistance and save Jewish lives. And unfortunately, she was captured, but uh, she was executed. But while they were at the firing squad, she took her blindfold off and looked all her enemies in the face. And I just thought that was very, very evocative of what happened in the film and just directly confronting one's death, turning around and gunning straight for them. Did she wow. Did she write the poem about herself? Okay. Yes, she did. She's, yes, she's also a very famous uh, poet. Okay. Lightning Rat continues. Poe. Who's Poe? Okay. Jesse, you want to go first? Well, I'd say, okay. So Poe in the first movie, I would say like a David Ben-Gurion type, right? Like awesome soldier type. Mm. Second movie, more more of a Netanyahu, really. Just kind of screwing things up. Mm. Oh. It's getting real up in here. All right. <laughs> I'm actually going to go with a different David. I'm going to go with King David because, um, you know, especially in that first scene where it's just him up against the dreadnought, definitely a, D- a David and Goliath visual, but also like he's a hottie. Let's just face it. And we love him, but we also know he hugely fucks up sometimes and gets innocent people killed. And that's pretty much the King David story. He's uh, the most uh, legendary hero of the Jewish people and the, the legendary leader. He's awesome. We love him. But let's admit the truth about his self-centered actions. I like it. Okay. Um, we, we have some other characters that maybe we could try and work the same theory with. Is Finn? Finn? Anybody? Anybody? I'm trying fit? and I'm... Coming up with nothing. <laughs> um, he has a different kind of background than everyone else since he started in the First Order. So we don't right. really, we we can't think of any Jewish parallels who's, you know, people who started in the Assyrian Empire or whatever. Well, I think we just know, have to. He, he could be like an Abraham type, right? Because he's coming from out That's of one true. order into another, right? Like a little, a little bit squeamish at times, That's true. you know, but at the end of the day, does the right thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is anybody Moses? No Moses out there? Luke's kind of Moses. Well, Moses is the... Is, yeah, in my analogy that Leia was Miriam, Luke has to be also Moses. <laughs> I would say Chewie is Moses. That would totally make sense. Final thoughts. Is this a Jewish movie? It is if you want it to be. I would say that since and, uh, George, when George Lucas came up with The Force, right, he took mythological and spiritual aspects from a multitude of religions one of them probably judaism you can probably find every religion in star wars because the force is so broad and generic and uh, non-defined by the story even though there have been eight movies now of saga films we'll use the force that's not how the force works not counting rogue one so there is there is judaism in it just like there's Christianity, Buddhism, you know, Zoroastrianism, Catholicism, all of them. Like it's all mm-hmm. there because mm-hmm. it's also the lens in which you watch it, right? As Jews, we see Jewish themes, but those Jewish themes are also connected to universal themes that sort of connect all of the world's religions. So we're just saying that George Lucas is inherently a plagiarist, which we knew, mm-hmm. hashtag 
Kurosawa Hidden Fortress. We knew this. But so he's just taking a a blop of philosophies from everyone. Yeah. And saying, you'll all want to see this film because it relates to all of you. Again, he wasn't like, I mean, again, the force has a light side and a dark side. Like there's not a lot of ambiguity there, but there's also a lot of space to fill things in. So, you know, a movie that makes how many hundreds of millions of dollars in its first two weeks has to appeal to a broad segment of society, right? We've got all the Christians represented. Jews think it's for them. Possibly the Buddhists think it's for them. Possibly Muslims and Hindus think it's for them, which I think is great. If we all pull something out of this movie, then obviously this movie is powerful to, to all of us. Except for middle-aged... Except to the white men. <laughs> Except for middle-aged white men who didn't like that women... Sorry, were, white you know. men. Terribly yes, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry that the scene where they show all the different pilots didn't go white man, white man, white man, alien, white man. <laughs> sorry, guys. Yeah, it's really excluding Yeah, yeah. It only went white, white woman, alien, black person, <laughs> Asian person, white person. I'm sorry, you only get one now. Oh, snap. Mm. So. It's improving. It's definitely improving. Well, I want to thank you both. Uh, this is a fascinating conversation. And I think when the next one comes out, we're going to do it again. Maybe when it comes out on DVD, we'll do it again. Or possibly, uh, you know, that, that time when they put it on demand, but you actually have to buy it to the time that they put it on demand and you can rent it. We'll do two more. Hey, it, sounds like the, <laughs> so, it sounds like the Han Solo movie is going to be hot garbage. So we should definitely reconnect around then. So. <laughs> we'll, we'll be ready for the yes, Han Solo. I- I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready, and I'm going to go say Kaddish for Admiral yeah, Akbar now. Yeah, who died off screen. How dare you, Star Wars? That, oh, <laughs> what a waste. Like, what a waste. He, it was it was a trap. The whole role was a I trap. Know. He could have he, he driven the ship <laughs> into the other ship. It's a trap. Like, exactly. the, the crit, and he would have done it. He would have done it. He'd be like, all right, we could talk about this all like, day. Trap this. Let's get a move Let's on. Be. All right. Bye, everybody. <laughs> I want to thank you, Jesse, bye. calling in from Oklahoma, <laughs> and Miriam calling in from another part of CJP. Thank you so much for joining us on the Jewish Boston and Israel 360 podcast. You guys stay warm up there. Thank you for having us.